But um, just to uh, clarify again, uh, we talked about the three traits of disciples last time. And um, getting into that, we, in a sense, these are the three areas that we will give to God if we are true disciples. And uh, we talked about the head, the heart, and the hands. And so not only is it the knowledge, um, the submission, the yielding to the plan and the purpose of God, no matter what, uh, what we want, it's all about, I'm going to follow him. And that is a mental decision. And then, of course, the heart is the area of transformation. We are allowing him to transform us into his image. That, of course, is the ultimate goal for you and I. We are to be uh, transformed, which is to be, uh, according to the Greek, metamorpho, which is to be uh, changed into something new. And the Bible talks about we are new creatures in him, and the life of a disciple is one that is constantly being transformed. And then, of course, the hands, and that is the mission, that is the doing of uh, the Christian, of the disciple. So those three areas we talked about, and uh, four areas of growth God expects for us to grow in. And uh, these four areas, uh, if you remember, we showed that they were um, they were interwoven. They're not prioritized one versus another, but they're interwoven. And so we talked about we have a responsibility to grow in our relationship with God, a responsibility to grow in the relationship with the church, and a responsibility to grow in the family and uh, in the world. And uh, we preached yesterday uh, in a lot of regard to that fourth one, the world. And um, so these are the four areas of growth we talked about. And again, just to kind of rehash these things, um, it encompasses a complete growth. Uh, so when we talk about family, we're talking about growth in myself, growth as a spouse, uh, growth um, as a parent, as a child, growth in our finances. And so everything that involves the home life, we are to grow in. And the world is employment, hobbies, community, friendships, ethics, witness, all of those areas uh, we are meant to grow in. And then the church, uh, what is my role in the body? Uh, how do I play into the local body? What does God want me to do in the local body? How do I support the local body? How do I submit to the local body? Um, all of these things together, um, of course, God being in the very center, and uh, of course, my growth in God. So again, my walk with God, what God expects is not just one area, but God expects growth in every one of these areas. And so, this lesson tonight, I want to focus on the family, and uh, again, I don't think we're going to be able to get through all of these, but God expects me to grow in the family, and so let's take a look at the home. Now, uh, I'm going to, when we get through all of these, I'm going to want to hand out uh, basically a devotion, provide a devotion for everybody for their families but the home is very, very important. Now, 
Um, whether you're single, whether you live by yourself, uh, all of this will play into um, this lesson. And most of us are connected to families, but even the home, as it relates to, say, the individual that lives by themselves, all of this does matter. And so before we start this, I want you to take just a moment while I'm talking to reflect on how your family life is managed. Uh, one thing that I think is important to do is create an inventory of how much time you spend together without, uh, let's say, electronic devices. Uh, how much time do we spend at a dinner table? How much time do we spend in prayer, worship, and devotion together as a family or husbands and wives? Or uh, Again, it's very important uh, when we get into this to be extremely open and honest with this process. So um, kind of the goal of this is to um, become aware of the habits, the trends, the activities, um, that we are engaged in in our home, especially as it relates to spiritual development and strength. So um, I want to really focus in this lesson. I think this is for everyone. Um, you say, well, I don't have children yet. Well, you might. Or uh, again, all of this plays into God expects for us to grow in the family. So the first thing I want to focus on when we talk about the family, is I want to kind of focus on one of the pivotal roles, God. Um, there's three or four distinct things that God wants the family to engage in. And the first one is God uses the family to preserve a distinct identity. Now, I'm, I'm pulling this out from Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 in the Hebrew is considered to be what's called the Shema. And when you get to looking at the Shema, it is considered to be the essence of the entire collective of God's covenantal responsibilities. And it lays, if I could put it this way, a foundation for how the Word of God will successfully be transmitted from one generation to the next. So Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, which is an extremely important foundational piece of the Jewish life and the Bible, it was given so that the preservation of the identity of the people of God would occur generation to generation. Now, that is a responsibility that we have um, as disciples, as Christians, as people that have been given the Word of God, as people that are the people of God, we have an obligation as stewards of our homes to preserve the truth and the identity and the callings that God has called us to. And it's not primarily the, the, the job of the church or the ministry or the pastor. We're going to get into how all of those fit together. But it's very important to understand that the home is where those things are meant to take place. 
And so uh, Joshua 1 and 8, uh, you find where um, the Shema, in a sense, echoes the words, uh, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Uh, the Shema, or Deuteronomy 6 and 4, it underscores the importance that God places on the preservation of the distinct, called-out nature of the people of God. And the success of preserving the distinct identity of God's people could only be made possible by teaching. And uh, right where you are, just say the word teaching. Teaching is what God considered to be the means by which identity would be preserved. Now, it doesn't take anybody with a, a, a level of intelligence to not understand that we are losing, especially in America, we are losing the identity of a Judeo-Christian society. That is being lost. More than that, we are seeing in the following subsequent generations that are emerging from the millennials and on, we are seeing a group of what's called nuns, N-O-N-E-S. It is the fastest growing group of individuals, and what that group is, is it's a group of young people that do not identify with any religious belief system or conviction system. They have no affiliation. They're not even non-denominational. They're just nothing. They don't care. They don't have any allegiance to anything religious. How has that happened? Well, I think part of that has happened, and I don't think we can necessarily point the finger at the church or at, and I think that you know we can put some blame, but it all starts at the home. Uh, the failure that we're seeing begins at the home. And so the Bible makes it clear that the home has a responsibility in the preservation of the identity of the things that the Bible calls for, and the primary means by which this happens is through teaching. The word teaching, when you get into the Hebrew word, it's not what you would envision from the English, you know, just uh, sitting down and lecturing, but it, it's a Hebrew word that signifies an engraver who etches words into stone or granite. So get in your mind that word teacher is an engraver, and he is chiseling into stone or granite uh, words. So when, when, when the Bible calls us in the Old Testament to teach, it is, it is the responsibility of the teacher to engrave into the hearts of those that are listening the words and the principles that are being taught. And in other words, not just something that's head knowledge, but it becomes heart knowledge. It's something that stays with them. And so uh, when you look at this, um, and I, I'm moving into this, the, 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 the importance of the home in propagating and preserving doctrine and scripture and the word of God and the things of God, we, the home becomes essentially the school where the etching of these things 
are to be etched into the hearts of not just mothers and fathers, but children in a way that it becomes generational. So this happens various ways, but the most important way is in the home by parents who communicate. When you go into the Old Testament, it was placed upon, when you go to Deuteronomy uh, 6, 4 through 9, you find that the responsibility to communicate these the things, I'm going to get into these, what, what they communicated, fell on the parents. The parents, according to that scripture, communicated the deliverance narratives. In other words, what God did for them in the past, uh, the deliverance from the Red Sea. They told those stories. They they, they made them new. They made them fresh. They incorporated their kids, the next generation, into the deliverance of the prior generation. And then they also communicated covenantal obligations, things God expected from them as individuals, as families, as a community of faith, as a church. At home, those obligations were communicated by the parents and they also would communicate various other laws to their children. And so you can see that in Deuteronomy 6, 7. What, what this did is this would lend to a continual dialogue in the home regarding the words of God. And with, with vigilance of heart, mind, and practice, God's words and their identity as God's people would be further etched into the hearts of parents and children. So I want to make this very clear. The responsibility of preserving a holy and distinct identity begins first in the home. That is why it is so important that we are studying the Word of God, reading the Word of God, discussing the things that are, that are from the Word of God in our homes. See, the problem is, is homes have unfortunately left that job to the church. We have left it up to the Sunday school departments. We've left it up to the pastor or the ministry team. That is not the biblical role uh, or way in which God wants the responsibility of preservation of the things of God to occur. The first place that God expects for those things to happen is in the home. And so the words and works of God are to be taught, discussed, and modeled within the home. Now, more than this, when you think about the role of the home or the role of the family, don't forget this phrase that I'm about to say. The family is meant to be the place that prepares children to enter into society, okay? What goes on at the home is meant to prepare our kids for the workforce. What happens at the home is meant to prepare our kids when they enter into the world as adults. Now, I'm going to be very honest with you. We are seeing a failure in the home, and the failure in the home is reflecting in the workforce, 
in society, in schools, in education. We're seeing it everywhere. Okay. Unfortunately, what happens a lot of times is because parents don't um, develop themselves the way God wants them to be. They're not stewards of themselves or stewards of their calling or stewards of their own time. They don't live up to the ideal God wants them. The family suffers. God is not brought into the home. There is no development, no teaching, no training. And so what happens is children are not adequately prepared to enter into society. And we're seeing this more and more and more. Um, It's getting to the point now where we are coming across young children who do not know how to act socially. They have no social preparation. They have no boundaries. They have no limits. There's no constraints on their life. That is a reflection of the home. God intends. School is not the place where that is supposed to be established. The home is where it's supposed to begin. And so uh, I'm going to say it again. The family is the place that prepares children to enter into society. In the home, biblical models of fatherhood and motherhood are supposed to be modeled in a way that when our children enter into adulthood, they are following an ideal learned from us that fits into creative design. In other words, we reflect in the home, we model in the home the way that God wants us to be as fathers, as mothers, as married people, we are the model that is supposed to reflect everything God wants us to be. There is a tremendous responsibility on us as parents, um, uh, as individuals. And so uh, much of our identity, and of course, when I say that, we talk about apostolic identity. It's rooted in our distinctive understanding of the Word of God and what God sees as ideals. Okay, God has an, uh, an ideal for everything, for parenting, for marriage, for, for men, for women. It becomes our role in the home to find out those things in the Word of God and begin to model those things. And I want to challenge everybody tonight that we need to start really searching the Scriptures, picking up books that that I can recommend many, picking up things, learning these things so that we can begin to model the proper creative intention God has. Because God expects the home to be the place where these teachings occur. And so it becomes the family's responsibility to establish, and let me go through a few things, the proper model of masculinity and femininity, okay? The Bible reveals to us what that looks like. We have the responsibility in our home to establish that proper role or model of those things. It becomes in the home the responsibility of the family to establish work ethic 
integrity and biblically driven codes of ethics that will govern the acts and attitudes of our family and our children in the future. So let me just take this moment right here. We are entering into, and I've been, I had a conversation not long ago with somebody regarding this, but we are entering into Christmas season. In Christmas season, there is a tremendous pressure to buy presents for our children. Now, I'm not here to argue the merits for or against that. We engage in the custom and the practice of Christmas and buying presents for our children. But it's, it's just this is an area that, again, as parents, we have a tremendous responsibility to develop in the home things that are that 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 reflect and model stewardship we have to show our children um, proper financial management or wisdom in all areas of our life okay because they're watching us they're learning from us and so i talked about this some with somebody the other day if I am going through a difficult time, if I am financially in straits, I, I don't have a lot of money, and I have bills that are due, credit cards that gather interest are not the will of God. Okay, I'm just going to go and say that. There is nothing fiscally responsible about spending money we don't have um, to rack up interest on credit cards. We need to be teaching that to our children. They need to know credit cards are not good. Now, if you can use a credit card responsibly and, and kind of take advantage of point systems, but you are paying that balance off in full every month and not getting hit with, um, with fees, I'm all for them. But it is not fiscally responsible to be using credit cards, spending money we don't have, and then spending interest on those, those purchases. Now, let me go to where I'm going. This is just good pastoring right now. This is just uh, this is Dave Ramsey, if we if we want to call it this way. It's just fiscal responsibility. Christmas time is typically a time where we have an opportunity. If we're going through a difficult time or we don't have money to spend on gifts, that is, and all the young people right now are just, oh, don't listen to this mom and dad. But I, I want you to understand something. We need to be sitting down and, and, and teaching our children lessons in the home that it's our job to teach. That is, kids, this is a difficult year. We really cannot buy gifts this year. We can't spend very much money, okay? Kids have to learn. This is not something that a pastor should teach or a church should teach or Dave Ramsey should teach or a financial advisor should teach. These are things that need to be developed in the home. This is one of those areas of training. Our kids will learn through tough times, that there is a proper response to tough times, and that is tightening our belt. 
In other words, we teach them through our actions. Times are tough. We don't buy things we can't afford. That is a lesson that they will learn through good stewardship reflected and modeled in us. Now, if we're not careful, and I know this because I've worked with people who go open up credit card accounts and they generationally perpetuate debt because it's been taught in the home, that's what you do. Okay, again, God expects for the the home to be the place of stewardship. It's the place where we, according to Proverbs 22 and 6, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so that's just one area. Uh, Work ethic is another area. So we might be strong in some areas, but God expects us to develop and, and teach in our homes the whole thing, the whole package. God expects for us to be stewards of our homes and to properly emulate principles of wisdom, biblical doctrine and development and character that God expects from his people. Okay. Now that's a very, very sobering thing to realize that God expects for that to happen in the home. Now we're going to get into, I don't know if tonight we'll get into this, but God will use the church, someone like a pastor, ministry, other resources to help parents or leaders in the home know the proper way in which to lead. And so that's the great benefit. And we're going to get into the threefold cord moving forward. But, um, you know, if you have any questions on this, feel free to put them in the chat or ask me later. But I think this is very important, and I'm really hoping we don't gloss over this because the home is the place that God expects to see growth occur. And so um, the only true way to train children in the way they should go is to have them walk those ways on a consistent basis. And I cannot have my children walk a way I don't walk. I can't expect for them to have ethic if I don't have ethic. I can't expect for them to be financial stewards if I'm not a financial steward. I can't expect them to pray if I don't pray. I can't expect for them to read the word of God if if I don't read the word of God. Okay, so we can go down the list. The home has a responsibility. And so uh, the word, uh, that's what the word implies. Train up a child. Train implies continual training. So consider with me, you're going out into the jungle. Consider with me a path that is well-worn. Why is that path well-worn? Well, very simple. It's because it has been walked on a regular basis by feet. So when we make a concerted effort to get our family on paths that lend toward the preservation of biblical ideals and biblical models and biblical principles and holy characteristics and holy identities, it means that we have to walk those paths together on a daily basis basis. 
My fear is that what's happening all too often is we are only having those moments on a church service. Okay. The, it is not the church or a Sunday or a pastor's job to establish all of these principles. Now, again, even as a pastor, I am a husband and I am a father. These are things I am actively working to do in my life. That is why the Bible says one of the, one of the roles of, of a bishop is to rule his family well. And so, again, I am trying to make sure that I'm growing in these areas and being a steward in these areas, because if I'm not, how can I help teach everybody else? So, again, these are very important things to consider. We need to create well-worn paths in our homes. And again, um, I'm pastor. I'm aware of a lot of the weaknesses in all of us. But these are areas that God is not going to let us get out of. God expects these things to happen. So one of the things I think you ought to do is sit down and analyze, how am I modeling work ethic? How am I modeling marriage? How am I modeling the proper uh, mother, being a mother or a father or discipline? Everything I'm doing is going to be recreated or 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 redone in the next generation? How am I modeling finances? How am I modeling spending? How am I modeling giving? How am I modeling prayer? How am I modeling uh, the word of God? How am I modeling masculinity and fem? Okay, I could go on and on, but I think the point is very clear. This is very important. And so, Strong homes, um, let me back up here. So when we look at it, fruit, like when you talk about fruit, fruit is the result. If you go get fruit, fruit is there because fruit is the result of the process known as cultivation. So if you want fruit in your home, if you want fruit financially, fruit uh, biblically, fruit prayer-wise, Fruit is the result of a generational legacy of truth. Strong homes are cultivated homes. Strong homes are consistent homes. Strong homes are homes that follow a distinctive path that never veer from that path. The strength of a consistent future is founded on a consistent present now, okay? I I can't establish how important the home is to the whole process. That is why growing in my home is so important. And so what are some of the things, and I'll ask this as, as, as you're listening, what are some of the things that you can do in the home? that will establish and preserve the distinct identity and culture of a biblical family that reflects biblical stewardship? Great question. What are things that you are going to do to establish a proper model of motherhood and fatherhood? As children in the home, so we've got young people listening, what are you doing to develop and establish 
key principles of, of biblical identity and culture in your life. You have a responsibility as well. Can we say that our families are consistent in spiritual devotion? Can we say that we're consistent in prayer? Good families, I'm going to say this, are the result of intentional efforts. So we need to take time as families, as parents, as leaders to find a way to develop the proper things that are necessary in the home. Okay. Very, very important. We need to develop the necessary things in our home that establish biblical identity, the preservation of things God wants. Now, there is no way that I've gotten through this first one and not stepped on somebody's toes. There's no way. Okay. We can make a lot of excuses. All I'm trying to say is God places more responsibility in the home than anywhere else in life or society. There is an unbelievable, um, and, and I want to make this clear uh, again, I, I know it's Christmas season. I can't get past this. Uh, being a good giver doesn't mean that we emulate proper uh Uh, proper financial disciplines. And so we can go down the list um, uh, over and over. Um, We need to emulate every year of our life, prayer, all of those things. What are our kids learning from us? You know, one of the, one of the terrifying ways to find out is to do a questionnaire among children. You know, when does your mom pray? When does your dad pray? Uh, kids are, I, I know, uh, brother Wilmoth out in California one time gave devotions and, uh, in Sunday school te- the Sunday school, the teachers were told to ask the kids, what did you learn in your devotion? <laughs> and so kids were saying, well, we didn't do a devotion and parents said, we're going to do it. Um, so again, if there's any questions on this, I, I, I'm sure there are, but there's a lot here. And I hope that I have uh, established and reiterated the importance of this. Number two, um, the home, and I'm going to pick up on what we just talked about here, but we are supposed to create in our homes a natural rhythm, a biblical rhythm. So when when, when, when you look at, say, Exodus 12, chapters 1 through 26, when you look at it, you'll, you'll notice when you read about the first Passover, one of the instructions following the charge that was given for each generation to observe the, the Feast of Passover is that God declares in Exodus one twenty six that, quote, it shall come to pass when your children shall say to you, what mean ye by this service? In other words, what's happening here is God was having the family institute a feast called the Passover. And one of the reasons for this feast was it would produce a natural question in the home for generations to follow. They would say, why are we doing this feast? What's this all about? So one of the ways God used the home to preserve his words and 
and, and established the customs and the rituals that preserved godly things was create teachable moments in the home. In other words, by, by observing certain things or feasts and festivals, it would create an opportunity and a means would present itself for the parents or, or the leaders of the home to, to tell the story of God's words and works that, that, that were intended to be taught in the home. So to explain this, it created uh, teachable, teachable moments naturally. They weren't forced on the family. They didn't sit everybody down and say, okay, we're going to learn about this, or you're, you're mandated to learn this. No, 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 no. The home uh, emulated a natural rhythm of spiritual things. It, it, it was natural for, for, for things of God to come up. It wasn't odd. It wasn't weird. It wasn't forced on them. The home life followed a natural rhythm that was penetrated by holy times and holy observations. And because of that, children would naturally grow into their identity as God's chosen people. Is the only time that children or our families are being exposed to Scripture, is it only at church? Is the rhythm of spirituality only happening when they come to church, when we as families come to church? If that's the case, we have got to change that because the home is the place where, the, where spiritual disciplines and identity are meant to be established. Family practice and family participation. So um, when you talk about rhythm in music, it is, it is a... And this is a definition of rhythm. It's strong, regular, repeated patterns of movement or sound. Rhythm is what gets stuck in our heads after we hear it long enough. You've all been there. You find yourself humming the tune long after the tune has ceased to play. In that fashion, with that example in mind, when our home follows a natural spiritual rhythm, things begin to stick, and we find more opportunity to discuss important concepts of life and scripture in our home. Unfortunately, when homes fail to have natural rhythm, opportunities are forced, and they become unnatural, and in my opinion, that's when they lead to resistance and confusion in the home. That is why we have a responsibility to establish a repeatable rhythm in our homes by developing a schedule that, while it may stretch us, helps establish consistent things that relate to the Word of God and actions and characters God wants us to live. And so this is so important. Um, so, uh, I just throw this out there, you know, we don't do a tremendous job at this, but I want to do better. The dinner table is a very important place where great deals of teachable moments can occur. Um, you know, I've taught about the theology of the table. When you look at Jesus, Jesus, um, 
is, is at Levi, the publican's table. He's at the Pharisee's table. He's at the certain Pharisee's table. He's at the chief Pharisee's table. Then you got the Last Supper. Some of the greatest moments in Jesus's life happened at a dinner table. They were delivered behind a table. And so the table is just one of those places in our home where conversation can happen. Natural conversation. There's nothing forced there. Uh, you can talk about things that are happening. So, I mean, consider the opportunities. And I know we're busy and this isn't always possible, but let's consider seven dinners a week for 52 weeks. Do the math. That's 364 days a year where an opportunity is provided to engage in teachable moments as a family. So let's say if dinner time lasted a minimum of one hour, that means we have 364 hours of interrupted to uninterrupted time to spend with our family where teachable moments can happen naturally. But we're, I do think we squander those moments. Um, uh, one of the most cool things to me um, with re regarding the, the Passover in Orthodox Jewish families, they will go through a ritual, and it's so neat to me, where they will search the house for leaven at, at Passover's Eve. So they'll light candles. They don't speak a single word between the blessing and the finding of the leaven. And families will begin to delightfully engage in this somber search to find and remove leaven from the home. Okay. Of course, that originates from Zephaniah 1 and 12, the, the search for kamats, leaven. Uh, what's happening? There, there's, a, there's a game being engaged in, and they're teaching a, an unbelievable principle of the importance of purity in the home, because leaven is a type of sin and uncleanliness. So by just engaging in this game, they're teaching their children, and they've created a fulcrum of, of, of lessons that are teaching purity and holiness in the home and the importance of not letting leaven into the home. And that's just one of the practices that they've had. So I'm going to end with this. What are we doing in our homes that are creating teachable moments? Are, are, are we being dominated by electronics? Are we, are we just disconnecting and never coming together? Are we playing games together? Are we reading the scripture together? Are we talking about the things of God together? Are we discussing what was preached on Sunday. Again, I'm getting ahead of myself, but the family, the, the home has an op a responsibility to take those things that were preached on Sunday, come home and talk about them. We are meant to, in the home, as priests at the home, we're meant to re-preach what God told us on Sunday, and I'm getting ahead of myself here, but there is such a responsibility um, to, to do these things in the home. Um, we have a few more to get into in the threefold court. I don't have time to get into, uh, but how the family, the church and the ministry all relates to one another. So, um, we've had a lot to say here. Um, let's really, uh, 